0: Dr. Sanjeev Kumar from South Asian University, Delhi. Um, Here is a brief uh, uh, um, introduction of um, Dr. Sanjeev Kumar. Sanjeev did his MA, MP and PhD all from the Department of International Relations from Karnataka University in the year 2000, 2002 and 2005 respectively. He has got a number of High-profile publications in highly prestigious and refute journals. Uh, Let me just read a couple of them. Uh, The Politics of Muslim Identity and the Nature of Public Imagination in India. Media and Films as Major Determinants. Published in European Journal of Economic and Political Studies uh, in the year 2011. Internal Dynamics of Subcontinental Security, indo pak Tensions and the Political Response, India Quarterly. Uh, in the year 2010, capitalism, multiculturalism, and the global identity of Islam. Again, European Journal of Economic and Political Studies in the year 2010. Competing conceptions of nationhood, cultural dimensions of India-Pakistan conflict, and the subcontinental security dynamics. International Journal of Interdisciplinary Social Systems, published by University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign in US in 2010. Post-September 11 Crisis in International Relations in the State of Multicultural Society Published in Economic and Political Weekly EPW in January 2009 Pakistan Factor in India's Domestic Politics, which is forthcoming in South Asian Survey Among his research interests are democratization in South Asia, India-Pakistan relations and subcontinental security, multiculturalism, globalization and the identity of Muslims, political parties and the foreign policy making processes in India. So it is a great pleasure and great honor for us that uh, Dr. Sanjeev Kumar from South Asia University, I met him several months ago in a special seminar conference in Gurukhetra University and I was impressed with his intellect and with his rigor for conceptual and intellectual sophistication and told, again after a couple of months later I met him in B.R. Ambedkar University in Lucknow, also where he gave a very high profile uh, um, Um, lectures. So again, let me welcome, uh, please join me in welcoming Dr. Sanjeev Kumar to our department. Please give a round of applause. So Dr. Sanjeev will speak for about 20-25 minutes and thereafter we'll spend about half an hour for Q&A. Thank you.
1: thank you uh, professor alam for this invitation uh, esteemed colleagues of the uh, department of political science jamia university and uh, my friends so today uh, i have been asked by professor alam to speak on uh, india pakistan relations and subcontinental security so as we all know this is a topic which interests not only academics it so, major topic for the discussion of journalists and even the common masses are very much it's in the popular parlance whenever I speak of India-Pakistan relations. Apart from its uh, popular uh, uh, imagination and the journalistic uh, uh, interventions, academically also the whole notion of India-Pakistan relations is, is interconnected with how each country, both India and Pakistan actually imagine each other. So I will begin from this whole plank that understanding of India-Pakistan relations and its implications of subcontinental security is not just a matter of an academic discourse or any one single theoretical intervention is very much sufficient to do that because the very imagination of Pakistan for the Indians and the very imagination of India for the Pakistanis. My argument is this actually shapes the current uh, nature of India-Pakistan relations. Now the practical question arises. How does it imply the very imagination of a common man, the imagination of what we perceive about Pakistan and what Pakistanis actually perceive? Our uh, country. So we can ask a practical question: How does it actually uh, affect the policy-making process, and how does it affect the hardcore uh, nature of international relations? Now, let us begin imagining what international relations actually is, is all about. Stephen Ward, in a famous intervention, said that there is one word, and there is there are many theories to interpret it. Now, the problem is. This one word is imagined in different ways. Like say for example, the United States may be imagined by India in a different way, China may be imagining in a different way, and North Korea may have a very different imagination altogether. This is one thing. Second thing, if we look at the whole process of international relations as it has evidenced itself in South Asia. There is one problem which I always try to negotiate with. And we all may be negotiating it as students of international relations. And that problem is, there is a kind of methodological reductionism to the very way of looking at India-Pakistan relations itself. And when I say methodological reductionism, one thing a kind of monocausal explanation is always attempted at when scholars interpret India Pakistan relations. Take up major works. Try to Google what are the major works on India Pakistan relations and what international relations theory they have actually engaged with in interpreting it. So, beginning with like, there is a work by Sumit Ganguly in 2001, Unending Conflict. There is a celebrated book by TV, uh, TV Paul. India-Pakistan relations enduring conflict. Then, the very nuclear dimension after 2000, uh, after 1998 and after the Kargil crisis and the 2001-2002 military impasse on the Wagga border. After that many books were published in terms of understanding whether nuclear deterrence is a suitable uh, explanation to understand India-Pakistan relations and there are two perspectives to it. I will explain it later. So <laughs> if you see those works, basically, what we try to get an impression is, either it is Rajesh Rajgupalan's book, Second Strike, or Sumit Ganguly or Devin Hegarty's book, Fearful Symmetry. And there are many more to explain. He book, the latest, in 2007 and 2008. The very phenomenon here is, much of india pakistan relations has been attempted to be explained from a structuralist logic and materialist epistemology and when i say structuralist logic and materialist epistemology there the very new notion of a state-centric discourse and the very nature of an interpretation which is based on what we call as cartographic fundamentalism, that is the old classical Westphalian notion of the nation state or territorial uh, sovereignty or bounded territoriality. Now this is a simple, in a way, academic discourse. Now how does a common man imagine it? I will narrate a story. around. Two or three months ago, I went to a small town near my hometown in Karnataka. It's a very small town and a government college, and much of the students in that college had come from, say, very much of a rural background and they had their own imagination of you can understand they did not have much of access to the internet, not even much of access to English news media and television channels and others so they were basically having their own imagination based on some Canada newspapers in their basic understanding so I asked one simple question what is Pakistan for you I got three I can say deadly answers I was terrorized by those answers first answer was Pakistan means war Pakistan means terrorism. Pakistan means corruption. If you have a popular imagination on the basis of this, now how can we actually deal with what we call our neighborhood policy? Now here I am dealing with a very complicated question. Whatever is happening at the policy level, we all know what is happening for the last six months the Indian media charges that Pakistan has violated the line of control. So Pakistani media does the same. Of course, should we or should not trust the media and are we? That is a question I leave it to you. My endeavour here today is, are we really imagining Pakistan as one of the major threats and it will remain as a threat? And by doing that, we are curving ourselves from imagining Pakistan as a country inhabited by human beings. That is what we have done. Now I'll explain that. So this whole terrorizing answers which I have got made me think in terms of what structuralist logic and materialistic epistemology can do. The first important thing For our defense, India's establishment, defense establishment and foreign policy uh, makers, including China, Pakistan has always been a major security threat. And our security establishment, since 1947 till today, has been harping upon this threat. And of course, how it is uh, looked in the popular imagination, I have already told you. Now let us combine these two things. Of course, I am not saying that there is any empirical or statistical connection between what that government college students were imagining on Pakistan and what our policy makers are doing. But there is a kind of uncanny similarity between the two. What is that similarity? The Indian common imagination cannot believe that Pakistan is a normal sovereign country like India and the whole question of wars, terrorism, it is part of the ongoing structure of international relations. Of course. And the second thing, whatever the policy responses Pakistan may be giving or India may be giving, it is specifically looked at in terms of the realist imaginations of the policy makers of both the countries. So you can't blame anybody. You can't blame a Pakistani soldier to be fighting for his country. He is a patriot like an Indian soldier. Long back, I cannot narrate the date because of some confidential reasons. There was an internal symposium in the United uh, services of united services institute of india it's a think tank run by the defense establishment of this country so they had a seminar their internal seminar and one of my colleague was present there and the aim of that seminar was again very dreaded how to destroy pakistan and Now you compare it with these three things. What the army is thinking of course, fine, it is their duty. Similarly, Pakistani army also has the right to do that, fine. What our policy makers are doing, it is their realist imagination. But is it good for a nation, popular imagination, to dread Pakistan like some shaitan? This is the biggest tragedy of India-Pakistan relations today. Problem is not with partition. Whatever it happened, it was an imperial design that I will not get into. India's intervention in 1971 war, 65 border disputes. We had also border disputes with China, but China is not a shaitan. China is in romantic imagination, all this China's Xiaomi phone and uh, all that. But when it comes to Pakistan, it's something as... a Disease like a puha. This is the imagination of Indians towards Pakistan today. And now, academically, how many books actually, if you Google, I told you many books, 90% of the books cover only wars, they cover only nuclear deterrence issues, tactical nuclear weapons. If you take the if you visit any media, uh, any media websites for the last six months, Indian side has its own consideration. Oh, Pakistan has test fired Nasser missile, 60 kilometer, 5 sub kiloton nuclear weapon it can carry. It can, now they have inducted into their army, now tactically they are using nuclear weapons. Fine, these are all part of strategic studies. But I ask a question how many books are there to represent? India-Pakistan cultural similarities, how can we cooperate? What can we do as Indians to eradicate one simple or dispel one simple myth which the Indians have that whatever troubles we are getting in international relations it is because of Pakistan. Now I don't believe that any government ideologically has any say. Ideologically all governments in India have been neutral. And the threat of Pakistan has been similar. Somebody can say that oh, after Modi things will change. Nothing will change. It may be a question of degree. But as of now, Pakistan remains as a major security threat. And this has actually served the purpose of the strategic establishments at both the sides. Now, of course, I cannot... Equate it to what happened in the US in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s when the Cold War was choreographed. There was nothing called a cold war in that sense. It was all stage managed because there is one simple thing. During the 1930s, economic depression, Keynes came up with a theory as to how to use the money. You have to spend your money to bring back the economy on rates. So US Government planned a very important, uh, in a very important way how to spend its money and they set up what today we call since 60s as a permanent war economy and why do we call it as a permanent war economy because it has suited the economic purpose of the United States in production, distribution and selling of arms. So that explains the whole logic behind the Cold War politics and how it actually served the commerce. Now what is happening in Indian subcontinent? Why India-Pakistan relations is less of a real conflict and more of what could be called as serving the strategic uh, inter- interests of the strategic est- establishment and policy makers. There may be many books, if you can take, they may be citing that, OK, Pakistani army has more interests, Pakistani politicians sell India, like Benazir Bhutto said, that OK, we will fight a thousand-year war. And Zulfi Karali Bhutto had made a famous statement that if India produces a nuclear bomb, we will also produce one. Even if you have to eat grass leaves, or remain living hungry. Fine. But has the Indian establishment did any minimal effort to dispel all this? what is the use of cancelling a foreign secretary level talks until you keep on the dialogue process and you keep on harping upon that we will give a befitting reply whoever intervenes in kashmir we will give a you know military response so hawkish attitude on the part of both establishments in a way has been a major responsible factor. Now here I, when I started I said there is a state-centric imagination and what we call as a cartographic fundamentalism. Although we are living in the age of, you know, we, I am part of a major initiative called Sark University, on the one hand we say that there should be South Asian consciousness, Indian government has all the, you know, better, funded, uh, and it has major institutions, good human resources, plus the capacity to influence the international agenda, but what? how much success India has got within South Asia? Of course, Sark University is one step ahead, but on the one hand we talk of South Asian consciousness, on the other hand, if we cannot have a constant dialogue with Pakistan, and we cannot dispel the popular imagination as a Pakistan as a shaitan, then how can we expect a cordial relationship between the two countries? Now the whole process, as I have already said, when we speak in terms of the Westphalian notion of the nation state. There is another debate in terms of subcontinental security, the pre-1998 and the post-1998, whether things have changed. So there are nuclear optimists and the nuclear pessimists. The nuclear optimists said that now there will be no war. And of course, in a more realist sense, they said, OK, fine. But we had instances of cartel crisis. We also had instances of 2001 and 2002 military impasse. And there is another perspective, which I belong to much. You can access my article in South Asian Survey. It is volume number 18 issue number one, 2011. So there I basically argue that the whole domestic imagination of Pakistan, even with the political parties, in the public, in the media especially, it's basically a more sensationalized phenomenon. Indian media, Indian political parties, and Indian public they love to sensationalize the whole issue. So when we talk in terms of sensationalizing the issue, the very question of whose interest is served and where actually we really lag behind, that we can come to. The bottom line is, as I already saying, after 1998, has India-Pakistan relations structurally changed? That question has to be related with Whether we have stopped sensationalizing each other's relationship, not at all. Of course, the very notion of the proximity of borders in a way is more sensationalizing because the US Soviet Union nuclear conflict or nuclear rivalry ended without, after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. US or USSR did not engage in any nuclear battle, fine, because there is an old and time-tested saying that nuclear weapons cannot be practically used for day-to-day solving day-to-day problems and neither they cannot be used as an instrument of foreign policy. But that old saying in a way is gradually changing when it comes to the question of subcontinental security here. Why? Because whether there is a dispute or not, but there is an issue. A very knowledgeable person has said that Kashmir is with India and the issue is with Pakistan. So, as long as the issue rests with Pakistan and Kashmir is in India, it is serving the interests of both the policy makers as well as the media as well as the political parties. Why? It is a popular myth, again I say, that it's only, like, if you take up the work of uh, many Americans on Pakistan who are looking at uh, the, like Stephen Cohen, who are looking at the idea of Pakistan, who are looking at the very domestic structure of Pakistan. So we have an idea, oh, it's only the ISI which is responsible for all this. OK, fine, that's a different topic. But. Indian political class, does the Indian strategic establishment have an honest and a neutral opinion to look at the problem? Say, for example, the Kashmir issues. Of course, the issue is with Pakistan, but it is also a reality that the territory of Kashmir is also with India. If Pakistan says that it is an unfinished task of two nation theory, India says that it is a Part of our secular process and federal system. So we are trying to, you know, prove to the world that we are secular and both respect our federal system. Of course, how secular we are, that's a different story. And how secular our present establishment is, that's also a different story. I leave it for some other talk. Now, what is the road ahead? What is the best solution? UN had its own role in the 1950s, 60s. If you read Sisir Gupta's book, Kashmir and India's Indo Pakistan Relations, you will get the whole documentary evidence of how UN was engaged with solving the Kashmir dispute. Even the Organization of Islamic States, they were also involved and there were many mediation attempts. Do we actually need mediation? In fact, I say we have enough of mediation and too many cooks have spoiled the dish. Of course, Pakistan has its own interest in internationalizing the Kashmir dispute. Of course, it's in every right with India to challenge it that if you internationalize the issue, we will not continue the talks. But India, having such a large establishment, trying to be a future superpower, wanting a permanent membership in the Security Council. Can't India, in a way, bring in an agenda which captures the imagination of not just India and Pakistan but the whole South Asia? Today what is happening? Students from Bangladesh and Pakistan come to Sark University. They come one almost half a semester late. Why? We did not get the visa. And how much visa they get? Four months. Three months one semester? Is this the vision of running a dream project? The whole question is, the very notion of lack of trust, it is not part of this whole border dispute or the whole cartographic fundamentalism, but India-Pakistan relations has been more of a psychological event. And this whole psychological phenomena dates back to what we call as the partition. Today, there are imagination that SARC should be the future of this region, SARC should play a vital role. Fine. But until and unless within India, because I emphasize on India because India has the resources. Look at what has Brazil done to its region look at what South Africa has done to its region. It has helped its neighbour in various sectors. But India has to represent that magnanimity in the region to build a trust. You cannot capture a trust by our home minister saying that, or the current BJP president going and threatening in Kashmir that we know how to react. But these are kinds of hockey statements will not serve the purpose. Of course, it's serving the nationalistic agenda, and it is very well represented in what I narrated the story in that college of a small town. If that is the case, a person who is not having an access to internet, who is not able to judge, if that is the case, and Places like Delhi, Bombay where you have Facebook, social media, everything, just go to Facebook and see how people react when it comes to the case of Kashmir or if somebody talks that we have to be flexible towards Pakistan the next day. My email box would be flooded with all that you are, you are a traitor, you should go away to Pakistan. Minister, cabinet minister, our Girdahari Singh used to say back those who are not in favour of Modi, they better go to Pakistan, Giriraj Singh, sorry. So this is our popular imagination. We don't treat it as a country inhabited by human beings. Until and unless we do that, we cannot really appreciate the international relations of this region. And subcontinental security is nothing about nuclear weapons, tactical, it is our mindset. Winston Churchill had said that war begins in the minds of human beings. I think it must be Winston Churchill only if I am wrong, you can correct me. But enmity with Pakistan is beginning in our own minds and it has to be ended there.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So now I think, uh, thank you very much, Sanjeev, for a very well succinct presentation. So I'm, now it is time for Q and A. Okay, so I think we have got so half an hour. hour okay? Yeah, please. So. Can we take some questions, comments, feedback, thank, thank
2: you. whatever, okay? Hmm. Alright,
1: yeah, go ahead. Hello, sir, Mr. Shija. My question is: Do you think putting the political agenda in SARC platform will anyway will in any way help the relationship to get better? Definitely, definitely. I think this is our future. SARK University and other institutions like SARK University has to be taken. Uh, in India has to take initiative. I Time and often emphasize on India because India has the resources, both economic, financial, as well as human resources. What we call as a soft power, what Joseph Nye calls as a soft power. And we can create an agenda in South Asia. And once we do that, once we encourage the students to come here, let them see what we are. And let them decide whether India is an enemy or India is a. Uh, friend and similarly let students and teachers from Pakistan come let us have tea with them let us enjoy with them and let at least let us dispel that they are not uh, some satanic uh, people this is what I feel so India has to set up a political agenda which is supported by all the other seven countries of SAR and obviously if you try to improve the region automatically the problems of india pakistan relations which i consider more as psychological less as strategic or structural it can be solved that is why i say that neo realism or structural realism cannot explain india pakistan relations which we try to do it is wrong yeah sir hmm. I have a, uh, my name is deepak kumar hmm. i am uh, from public administration professor so i wanted to ask uh, this question hmm. that uh, i mean if you see european union uh, as a block earlier uh, european union used to uh, quarrel a lot fight a lot mm-hmm. in those days of 1930s yeah, yeah. but now we see that uh, they are you know uh, given nobel prize for this uh, mm-hmm. peace mm-hmm. and uh, conflict thing so can we think uh, that india and pakistan and the even whole south <coughs> nation yeah, yeah, yeah can we think that it goes like the same way obviously see we can agree that you know many people say this explanation that you know we can't blame South Asia, we can't blame India, even Europe fought for hundred years and two world wars were fought for cartographically claiming of, uh, cartographic claim of uh, Europe. But of course they have come a long long way. Now Europe is a different history, we cannot compare with them. Our history is very much different. Europe became Europe now but South Asia, South Asia since thousand years. You should agree with this. We have lived together happily since the days of Delhi Sultanate, since the days of Mughal Empire and that was real South Asia. The breakup came once the colonial power came in. When India was imagined in more terms of bounded territoriality and once India was imagined in terms of fixity of political territoriality, then the problems began. Then Muslims are different. In fact, the very notion of Indian Muslims was created by the Britishers, then the whole political division between a Muslim as a separate political identity or a subject was created and that is all history. So we have gone the other way around, from integrity to implosion. Europe has travelled the other way. It was imploding, now it is integrated. So we have to reclaim our history. We have to reclaim our traditions. We have to celebrate our traditions, what we call as the Ganga Jamdi Tahsi. Then we can think of reinventing our own past. That is very very important. Thanks, you sir. Hmm. sir. what do
3: you think about Kashmir issue? Sir, Sri Raja in hmm. 16 <coughs> has suggested both, all, I should say all three names, uh, constituents, Islamabad, New Delhi and Srinagar. Hmm about establishing a confederation of India, Pakistan and Kashmir.
0: Yeah. And then to establish a military alliance as well, Mm so as to secure their uh, uh, military rights. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, is this feasible in this scenario when we have fanatics in uh, both countries with huge uh, saying in the uh, running of the
1: politics and governance? Yeah, that's a very realistic kind of a... you can have a neorealist explanation to all this. I agree to that. Sometimes my imagination may fail when I say that it's always better to maintain the status quo, whatever we have up till now and whatever we have, whatever the Pakistan is claiming, if the status quo can be maintained and if we focus on different issues, inter-border trade, like Srinagar uh, uh, to Muzaffarabad trade. now these are the issues which we have to actually focus rather than reclaiming of like whole Jammu and Kashmir is of with India and Pakistan claim with Kashmir is unfinished task of two nation theory these issues have not actually solved the problem until and unless we actually bring in the civil society to confidence like who can have the best claim for Kashmir it is a development the agenda between both sides India and Pakistan should be let's maintain the strategic status quo Let's not think about revision. And if we can maintain that strategic uh, uh, status quo and think about the socio-economic development of the region and automatically divert our resources to the larger development of SARC, then we can have a better future. Of course, in realist terms, in a structuralist term, it may be looking like a more of a romantic imagination because the political establishments, I was already said, they have their own interests. Journalists have their own interests. The political parties have their own interests on both sides. I don't blame any ISI, I don't blame any political party. It is Indian political parties and Indian establishment which is as culpable as that of the Pakistanis who have used it as election agenda, popular agenda and this is the result today. Sir, so, but my question is uh, maintaining the status quo is not feasible now. We have to address the Kashmir
3: issue with the consent of Kashmiris as well. They want independence. They don't want, they want to join either
1: India or Pakistan. Majority of them. So, no, that's no, no, no. Even if it's a, right. a fraction, I agree to that. In fact, that's that should a different plan. Be before maintaining status
2: quo, that should also be considered. No, no, no. Cannot... If
1: you address this question from the perspective of India and Pakistan, for both the countries, it is okay, I know, I know. But the problem is the very notion of considering the aspirations of the Kashmiri people. When it comes here, the very process of monitoring which has been imagined since the 1950s and 60s, a plebiscite. Now if we have a plebiscite, especially if you can imagine in this current scenario, what will be the status, Which what will the approach that Indian government will take? First we have to demilitarize the whole Kashmir. And I am in favor of demilitarization. That's fine. Too much of militarization is the biggest hindrance for realizing the real aspirations of the people of Kashmir. Number one. Second, of course, it may be infiltration and other things. We have to end it. Then we can have a conducive environment for plebiscite. I think it's in the safety and uh, well being of the Kashmiri people themselves. This is what I feel. Sir, so even India's
0: this Security Council resolution, also. Okay. Yeah, Let's can... get some more questions. Um, yeah.
3: Hello, uh, sir. So, uh, hmm. I would ask my question in two First question is, sir, you said we talked about uh, this foreign secretary level talks. Which hmm. You said that they wanted, it was not the right decision to call up the hmm. talks. Hmm. But then the Indian side, the Indian side to the to the whole episode was that. India expected Pakistan to refrain the uh, meeting the.
1: Subjects. Okay, fine. I know that. Yeah. Okay, sir.
3: So, but then you say that this is not right, mm-hmm. the, the cancellation of the talks. Mm-hmm. But it's also not the right from Pakistani point of view. Okay. making dif- uh, different statements at different place and different point of time is wrong. First of all. Second question is, after listening to you, although I have many disagreements. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> but then I would ask you this question that. In what ideal perspective you would say that India, Pakistan, the nation should go psychologically, culturally and foreign
1: policy? Ok. The first question, Pakistani uh, High Commissioner meeting the separatists. Of course, I agree with your point. That should not have been there. But cancellation of the foreign secretary level talks itself was not the answer. There would have been other approach to look at it. India could have uh, expressed its dis- discontent with the High Commission. And there should have been some other measures. But you can have, you could have postponed it. But somewhere, there is a t- lack of Track 2 diplomacy also for the last 6 months. But Leave apart Track 1, dip- okay fine. You want to cancel the Foreign Secretary level? Keep the Track 2 diplomacy going on. Even yeah. if it is a right-wing government, You know, Atal Bihari Vajpayee at least he did that, he ran the track to diplomacy consistently and was able to solve many issues. That sort of a success, neither the Manmohan Singh government nor the present government has not been able to achieve. In fact, even with the military regime, everybody said that there was no legitimacy. Of course, it is not our concern. The legitimacy of a government has to be decided by their own people when Parvez Musharraf is coming and nobody is stopping him within Pakistan, that legitimacy question of course, it is again talking like America, democracy promotion and other things, fine. But what I am trying to argue is, although Agra summit was a failure, but despite that a consistent level of track 2 and track 3 diplomacy was going on. That has to be done at least. So. Fine, you express your discontent and coming to your second question, psychologically as already said, both (laughs) countries have to dispel their popular imagination, the myths in the popular imagination that we are enemies. It's international dispute fought by human beings only. Our course curriculum, their course curriculum, we have to revise. I admit that problems lies on both sides. I am talking in terms of India because I am an Indian citizen, I can only say that whatever has to happen here. It is my aspiration. Culturally, of course, we have done much. You know, there are so many NGOs, Aman Kiyasha, Shah, they're all doing well. And we have to encourage them in conducive environment. You know, more and more, we have to do something like where more and more Pakistani students join universities in Delhi, Hyderabad, and Sark universities. Of course, there but but apart from that, we have many big universities. So then it comes to the foreign policy level. Once the popular imagination transforms, at least... It has not transformed in the last six uh, decades. Two or three generations have passed. But at least the present generation policy makers have to transform the coming generation. It's a generational shift we need. Then only we can have a foreign policy shift. So this is what psychological and cultural means. Foreign policy cannot be superficially changed. It has to come from ontologically what we say in philosophical terms let us take on females yeah yeah from yeah uh, sir yes thank you for your good lecture and i am from afghanistan
2: oh yeah yes. and this, i think we have one similarity point between us and uh, uh, you yeah india and afghanistan the similar point is that the is as I think is the enemy of Afghanistan. Okay. But there is no different
0: <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, please. yeah.
2: Yeah, please go ahead. But the thing is that I wanna know because you have problem with the governance of Pakistan. Okay? We have problem with the whom that they are against of against of the governance of Pakistan. So they come in Afghanistan and they attack in Afghanistan. Yeah, mm-hmm. They suicide, they bomb blast and all that. But I want to know, is, is there this connection between their government and the whom that they are against of their government? Okay, okay. I got
1: your question. Yeah. My dear, tell me Pakistan. one thing. Is Pakistan your enemy or Afghanistan government's enemy? Pakistan. And why should we use the word enemy? Okay. we are rivals
2: is, uh, enemy, is
1: enemy is a, such a word it is psychologically so pejorative you
2: know enemy somehow I think is more uh, or maybe not more than the shaitani as you use <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem
1: so okay you find time and come to Sark University and show me whether the shaitan of Pakistan lives in Sark University I will dispel all your myths we have a deputy registrar from Pakistan wonderful so many times we I have lunch with him we have students a wonderful kid has come from Pakistan now so they are all human beings here yeah. this we have to understand but the policy compulsions and the interest I don't even call it interest I gave the example of US the permanent war economy both India and Pakistan want to run this because it's a economic thing also to run a nuclear arms race also, there is money involved in it and plus the political capital which both countries gain, Benazir Bhutto had called for thousand year war and of course this time it's very very interesting because BJP manifesto did not specifically tell anything. Even after the Nawaz Sharif visit, before the elections, after elections, there was a considerable degree of optimism but they have not actually materialized. Same as the case with the uh, Pakistan-Afghanistan relations. Now, the whole issue I say, once if India-Pakistan relations get solved, automatically it will have an impact on Afghanistan-Pakistan relations also. So let's hope for the best. But sir, uh, once you have
2: problem with Pakistan, I say anyway, because you have problem with Pakistan, in the Kashmir
1: issue. I as a person don't have any problem with Pakistan. No, I
2: also, as a person, I have a problem with people of Pakistan, but I have problem with the governance of
0: Pakistan, and I talk
2: about the governance of Pakistan. So you have problem with uh, uh, Kashmir issue, and we haven't any any problem with uh, something like this with Pakistan. Of as, as course, we, we have him? problem. You have to know that. <laughs> in, Would we
1: have problem that. Uh, in that sense, Park we. Tunshah, in that, that sense, that that international we. International borders. Yeah, in that sense, we also have problems from China. We also have from Afghanistan. Maybe had has had problems from Russia. So these are all part of international relations. Thank you. I think let us let us take a couple of more questions. Yeah. Go yeah.
0: Quiet. Right. Yes. 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 Uh, Battery.
3: Simple question, sir. Yeah. Just to discuss, sir, when right. I come to Pakistan, there is a name of terrorism and uh, uh, Satan and like that. Why we hate Pakistan? And we, suppose he called Pakistan the main name, claim that there is a uh, terrorism. Like if I talk about the biggest word terrorism in Pakistan for Pakistan as well. So what I think should do work for the to Indian government for the better relation that
1: uh, See, he we hate. Uh, yeah,
3: vice versa. Suppose Pakistan also works for the Indian that they are the very I think.
1: Yeah, see, socialization is the best solution for all this. Keep a track two diplomacy as well, track three diplomacy. Institutions have to be encouraged, like Sark University is there, plus there is Indian Council of Cultural Relations which actually encourage other uh, students from, uh, this Afghani girl must have come from under that program, I think. So This these things are more important. And when I say these things will have a compound impact on foreign policy, I actually mean it. Why we have the same monotonous kind of foreign policy and defense policy in Pakistan and India even after 60 years? Almost more than, almost nearing 70 years, 47 till 2014, I don't see any change in any government, be it whatever ideology that government be. In India at least, Congress, Janata Party and BJP. The only thing is what sort of vision people have, the leadership. That is very, very important. In a way, I say that the Vajpayee era was somewhat better in the sense that greatest initiative Honorable Prime Minister Vajpayee took was the Lahore bus trip. Such kinds of initiatives only can solve the problem. Of course, you can say that then it was followed by Cargill crisis and other things. See, when you take a journey, you are bound to face if you board a ship you are bound to face all these problems because the interested vested interests do not want peace in this region everybody knows that what sort of vested interests are working in this region so government has to keep a constant vigil in not only curbing those vested interests but also keep a constant rigor in all such policies then only we can find a kind of solution europe did not become europe overnight. It had to fight two world wars. So, India, Pakistan is still better in a better place. We can make South Asia better than Europe because we were South Asia since thousand years. This is my contention. Yes. uh, Good afternoon, sir. Hi. Your comments has made me feel that, you know, India and Pakistan are like uh, behaving like George Orwell's you know Oceania
0: ah.
1: like how they are controlling the media and <laughs> mm. the propaganda so mm. my question is like
4: uh, as we have seen India it has evolved it has like gone out of soviet influence mm. so but pakistan is still under you know us influence and now now china is playing a big role so do you
1: think that if pakistan moves away from its like foreign beneficiary uh, benefit factors then mm. uh, the process can move ahead Something you can say it's a difficult uh, task for them because you know Pakistani economy is entire streets okay it has not seen any improvement production sector industrialization everything has been hampered because of basically what since 1970s uh, Hamza al used to say about uh, this domination of the army overdeveloped state what he failed so of course from 1970s Pakistan has traveled considerably but still the influence of the army and ISI on its society is still there. Now the question of drifting away from US and Chinese influence now this is a thing to be sorted out by the ISI and Pakistani army not the democratically elected government. Now when I say this basically the mandate for the democratically elected government is development. If you just go to the Pakistani diaspora i meet keep on meeting them in london in spain many way many uh, places only thing they want is development and they are being sent to universities in america and britain spending a lot of money now why because they feel that in pakistan they cannot set up a world class university which they actually can do now there somewhere down the line the democratically elected government has to take a stand now linking it to the whole question of us and china of course the as long as the army establishment has a say over the democratically elected government it will be a difficult task for the pakistani establishment to overcome this and only by overcoming this and of course, if there is a question of development, how much Pakistan, oh, US money or Chinese money has helped Pakistan to develop roads or any other things. It is not at all. And, tragedy of the situation is, present R.V. establishment may not accept Indian help. That is again a tragedy. So we are in a very difficult phase. The only thing is, India has to take a global agenda forward wherein, it has to speak for demilitarizing of the region lesser us presence and it has to take a stand against china also until and unless we do that we establish the chinese nexus with pakistan it has to now it is the responsibility of the indian government it is not pakistan who has to of course they have to take their own call but i think that indian role may be far far larger in Detaching Pak US and China from Pakistan or re uh, mold this whole military agenda to development agenda. Yes
4: of taking the global agenda forward yeah. and capturing the mind of like the masses, mm-hmm. um, where do you think we need reform the most? Um, in our diplomats, our obviously political parties, our government, or the masses of, of India or Pakistan? Because you see, let's say when they're in their movie, mm-hmm. you talked about how he talked about socio-economic development and how we needed to increase trade and development with our Pakistan neighbors, but at the same time, even in the recent assembly elections, he goes into Maharashtra and Haryana saying, you know, we need to take on Pakistan. Yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, capturing them. yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the same time, you talked about Zufri Zufigar Ali Bhutto mm. uh, when he staged the walkout at UN. He was an instant hero mm. in Pakistan. Same with Benazir Bhutto. Um, so wh- where do we need reform the most? In in the mindset of, of the people of, of India? Because we can hear, talk, and you can set up educational institutions, but they're not reaching out to the masses of India or Pakistan. Where do we need yeah, to reform yeah, in yeah. the masses, or do we need to reform first in like the diplomats, the government, to take that stand?
1: Obviously, it's a two-way process. In a sense, that I say that until and unless we dispel the psychological myths among the masses, I told you a story in right. the rural place of my hometown. That is first step. Policy level, automatically it will change. It may be my approach. Either you take a top-down approach or a bottom-up approach. I believe in the
4: bottom-up approach. But don't you think someone needs to instigate that? Because obviously, masses are already corrupted. What you said, they think...
1: Obviously, because the media is corrupt in India.
4: Right, but the media says what we want to hear. They're all about TRPs.
1: Yeah, because media will sensationalize the issue. There is one attack, so okay. They will clearly say that, Pakistani terrorist. Terrorist is a terrorist. Right. He is neither a Pakistani nor a Muslim, but Muslim terrorist, Islamic fundamentalist. This is how our media and our academia is right. So until and unless this happens, automatically the masses... So the instigation has to come from media and the academia. In India, I feel today if somebody can take stand, that is and the media which both are not taking for their own personal benefits. Media houses, they were talking in the language of Congress till 2014. Now, hey, Narendra Modi is great, you know. <laughs> Remade Modi, modern Modi. 2002 Modi is gone. Where is he gone? He is still here. So this is our problem. think Sen- Senior academics like Professor Alam has to take <laughs> stand. <laughs> then our country will change. I
0: think we have got time to just for one more question, okay? Yeah. yeah. Uh,
3: how about not giving the media chance to attack? You know, you always see that there should be, it takes two hands to make a sound always. It's hmm? not just one person. So why not? Just get rid of the opportunity for the attack in the first place. So then it should, it can be completely avoided the media can't make up anything.
1: No, no, no. How you cook up the story, that's a different one after the attack, okay? How you control the attack, that's a different question. That's a strategic debate altogether. You know, there is a larger uh, institutional mechanism which is involved and the problems are there, of course. Fighting terrorism is not an easy issue. Still, Israel has been doing, America has done within its country. Of course, it's an issue. And within India, we don't just have the India-Pakistan. We have our own red corridor and there are some other issues also. But as long as our strategic establishment has a tit for a tat attitude, there lies the problem and that is what media try to sensationalize. Okay, if there is one terrorist attack, fine, we have to demolish everything. Now how to deal with a terrorist, that's it, I can keep it for another lecture. Calling even a terrorist as a terrorist, I feel that it is somewhat a pejorative or interrogative term. Why? A boy or girl or a man or woman becomes a terrorist. I'll give you a good reading. You know, recently Rustam Bharucha, from a professor of theatre in uh, Jawaharlal Nehru University, he published a book, Terror and Performance. So you should read that book, where he tries to dispel the whole myth of what a terrorist is all about under what compulsions and what considerations a man or a woman become a terrorist, that we have to understand. Then we can deal with this whole issue and what justice is all about. Whether a terrorist is trying to get justice for himself or herself, that is for you people to decide. Media will only sensationalize the issue because they have to run their TRP. Okay, Thank you, Dr. Sanjeev Kumar. Thanks to
0: all of our students. And very well analyzed uh, discussion. So we continue on this uh, path. I think I'm very thankful to all of our students because in the last uh, two three months, I think we have been able to at least have uh, eight or nine uh, special lectures. We intend to continue that one also in
3: the.